You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, I've entitled the message today, Here Comes the Judge. Here comes the judge. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 26. There's a lot of things in life that we can't explain. In such cases, we shouldn't pass judgment. Leave that with God. Amen? Seems a church member called his pastor and said a tornado had just destroyed his house, and his barn. The pastor said, I'm not surprised. Punishment for sin is inevitable. The guy says, well, pastor, it also destroyed your house. He stopped for a while and he said, oh my, the ways of the Lord are beyond human understanding. Romans chapter 2, verse 1 to 2 says, Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are, who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. The Bible has a lot to say about judgment. And that's one thing about uh, doing a series through, through any book of the Bible. You take everything as it comes, whether you want to shy away from it or not. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus said, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. From this text, we could assume that Jesus is saying, do not judge others. We can easily see, we can easily see how we can get into error when we make one verse of the Bible stand alone without considering what all the other scriptures is teaching on the subject. We know that judgment is necessary to have any kind of relationship in life. Judgment is not always negative. It can also be positive. When we choose our friends, right at the beginning, when you meet somebody, you make a you make a conscious judgment about them. This is a person that I could really be friends with. I like that person. Another one, well, don't really click with them. They, they talk too much or they too opinionated or whatever for me. And so we're always making, making judgments. Righteous judgments most always will have a redemptive purpose. 
Jesus said that when a brother is in sin, go to him and offer help. Well, if I feel that you are in sin, if I see you do some things that is not biblical, in order to go to you, I'm making a judgment that you need some correction. However, we are not to condemn people, but we are to help them in their situation. So when we approach somebody, we're not approaching them with a condemning attitude towards them. It is out of love and compassion, the love of Christ that has been shed abroad in our heart, the compassion of Christ that we have received and we're just passing on to others, being his hand extended. Even if our judgment of someone is negative, we should always look for a way to help redeem or to restore that person without expressing a holier-than-thou attitude. That's the sort of things that gets people's ire up. That's the sort of things that causes people to say, you're judging me. Really what they're saying is, you're condemning me. And we do not have that right. That's not our department to condemn anyone. I want you to notice that Jesus is saying in Luke chapter 6, verses 41 and 42, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Listen to the last part of that, vice, that verse. Jesus said, and then, if you remove the plank from your eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. So he is actually telling us, yes, you may attempt to take the speck out of your brother or your sister's eye, but not before you deal with the plank or the sin that is in your own life. Deal with your own sin before you try to correct someone else who is dealing with sin. If not, if you, we, you and I do that, then we're practicing unrighteous judgment. And by doing so, we bring judgment upon ourselves. In Romans chapter 1, Paul talked about the unrighteousness of men. In chapter 2, he begins talking about the self-righteousness of man. And he declares that God will judge self-righteous people and God will judge righteous. Uh, religious people. So man's unrighteousness versus God's 
righteous judgment. Let's, let's look at that for a while. Man's unrighteous judgment and God's righteous judgment. Pointing to the sins of others and ignoring their own sinfulness. A good example of this, of this mindset, is Jesus' illustration of the Pharisee and the publican. In Luke chapter 18, 9 to 14, he also spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that were religious and despisers of others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. It so happens that many religious people are quick to judge others, but tolerate the same sinful behavior in their own lives or in a family member. We are reminded that our own sinful actions disqualify us from being a judge of others. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself, if you judge practicing the same things. Before anyone might turn religious on me, let's consider what Jesus said to the religious people who were ready to stone a woman who was caught in adultery. He said, He who is without sin cast the first stone at her. And you know the story, and when she confirmed that no one else had condemned her, no one had thrown a stone at her, Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And so that is the reason we have this ability and this privilege to be able to correct one another and help one another in our walk, in our Christian walk in order that we can go and sin no more. It is so that we can be stronger as a family unit, a family of God, stronger in spirit, stronger in faith, because we're helping one another rather than kicking one another when we're down. John speaks to this truth also in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Make no mistake, when you accept Jesus Christ into your life, you are born again. You are washed. You are cleansed. You are set free from the bondage of sin. 
However, as you walk through this life, you and I become defiled. Filed by sin, entertained thoughts, word and deed, sins of omission, and sins of commission. That's us. Although we are new creatures in Christ, we still commit sins because we possess an indwelling sin nature. And Paul referred to our new life as being dead to sin and alive to Christ. But he warns us that we can allow that old man, that old nature to rise up again. And I would venture to say that every one of us in this room today have experienced that from time to time. Passing judgment without considering our own faults is one of them. I, as I was preparing this sermon, I, I, I was, in fact, I was going over it last night. I had my notes all finished, but I came across this quote or this illustration that I just want to share because it fits in with this. And it goes like this. Driving to work this morning, I noticed a woman driving with her face up next to her rearview mirror, putting on a makeup. I looked away. The next thing I knew, she was halfway in my lane. And as a man, I don't scare easily. <clears throat> but she... <laughs> But she, she scared me so much, I dropped my electric razor, <laughs> which knocked the donut out of my hand, of my other hand. And in all the confusion, trying to straighten the car using my knees against the steering wheel, it knocked my cell phone away from, the, from, the car, uh, from my ear which fell into the coffee cup between my legs, ruining the phone and soaking my trousers and disconnected an important call, all because of a crazy woman driver. <laughs> judging, eh? The very fact that we would judge or condemn someone else is evidence that we know about the righteous judgment of God. We are without excuse and we know it. We are no better than the ones we are judging. And the very act, in the very act of judging, we condemn ourselves. Secondly, consider the consequences of unrighteous judgment. Notice that we are not condemned for judging others, but for being guilty of the same things that we're judging others for. Not that we commit identical sins. We sin in other ways. And sin is sin, right? Sin is sin. We, we sometimes, we categorize sin. But sin is sin. And Jesus said, Deal with your own sin problem first. In Romans chapter 2, verses 3 to 11, 
And do you not think this, O man, you who judge those, those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or how do you despise the right riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? The goodness of God, God's goodness, God's forbearance, God's long-suffering, his patience with us should bring us into a, a humble, repentant attitude instead of an attitude of superiority. Let's read the New Living Translation, how it says it. Verse 4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Do this mean nothing to you? Can you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? The entire reason of the goodness of God is to lead us to repentance. Romans 5 and 8 says, But God demonstrates his love, own love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He does not drive us to repentance. He leads us to repentance. This God, this God will do for you and the person you are judging. If we fail to acknowledge that God, the righteous judge, keeps accurate books and that he will render to each one of us according to our deeds, then we're, we're deceiving ourselves, as James says. Because God keeps accurate books. God knows exactly what's going on in my life. God knows about my attitude. He knows when it's in line with his word and he knows when it stinks. Amen? In Romans 2, verses 5 to 11, then carrying on, but in accordance with your hardness and impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and, the, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there's indignation and wrath and tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil. For the Jew first and also to the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. No one can say, well, you know, I belong to a long line of Christian people. My grandfather was a pastor, my uncle was a priest, my sister was a nun, all of these things that we sort of use as little things that sort of justify us as we're Christian. But God is no respecter of person. The person who just comes before God and says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
That's the kind of a heart that God is looking for. When Jesus came the first time, he gave an example of a pattern of how to conduct ourselves as Christians during the age of grace in which we now live in. And after Jesus spoke, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 16 of John, he made this statement in verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. That's what the whole church age is about. Is when you get a hold of God, when God gets a hold of you, and you have a relation with, relationship with him, you share it with somebody else. It's not a... You, you haven't won a badge that you are a great condemner. You're one to offer help. You're one to offer freedom in Christ. We are not commissioned with a message of condemnation. The great commission is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a message of hope and a message of redemption. And we're all struggling saints. And from time to time, we need encouragement. So Paul is saying to those who are passing out unrighteous judgment, you, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 5, he says, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteousness judgment of God. In the first coming of Jesus, the loving character of God was revealed with great emphasis. At the second coming of Jesus, the righteous judgment of God will be, in, will be revealed in great tribulation. At this point in time, it's not too late for a person to change their ways. There is forgiveness for self-righteousness and hypocrisy and every other sin. There's forgiveness. That's why Jesus died. That's the power of the gospel for all who believe. And so, thirdly, my third point, and I'm going to shorten this up real quick here right now, religion can't save you. We can't use the Christian family we came from to declare our righteousness. The denomination we were born into cannot save me. The religious rites or sacraments that were applied to us as children cannot guarantee us salvation or into heaven. Salvation is a personal commitment of your life to Jesus Christ. And that applies to every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of this earth. The denominational tag has nothing to do with salvation. Denominational tags are meant to, for people who believe alike rather than fight amongst one another that they would gather together as one body of believers in a little 
church like this and believe God and trust God to do something in our communities. Verses 12 to 29 of Romans 2, For as many have sinned without the law will perish without the law, and as many have sinned in the law will be judged by the law, for not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. So I'm going to conclude here right now. Musicians, worship team, religion can't save us. And neither can our Christian heritage save us. We need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul has established thus far that for both Jew and Gentile, both are sinners. There is power in the gospel message for salvation. The just shall live by faith. That will always be the standard. Not how much, how many times I have read the Bible through. Not how many good deeds I've done. Not how much money I have given to church or given to charity or helped my neighbors. Faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He paid the price so that I could go free. That's what it's about. Today, we learn that God will render to each one according to his deeds. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There is no partiality with God. No one is going to slip through the cracks. No one is going to get in through the back door. He's the righteous judge. He knows my life. He knows my name. He sees you when you're hurting. He sees you when you're sick. He sees you when your heart is breaking, when that relationship that you thought would last for all of your life has crumbled. He sees. He sees when you say goodbye to that one that you'll never again see on this earth, but you hope to meet in heaven someday. He's the God who sees. He's the God who knows. He's the God who understands. He's the God who can help you in your most difficult hour. The words of this song that we used to sing quite a few years ago. So indulge me as I 
say it. We can't sing it anymore, but I can say them. It's entitled, Search Me, O God. And it goes like this, Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior, and know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me, and cleanse me from every sin set me free. When we used to sing those songs, they had meaning because it was right where we're at. And this is where we're at this morning, folks. If we will be honest with ourselves, the second verse says, I praise you, Lord, for cleansing me from sin. Fulfill your word and make me pure within. Fill me with fire where once I burned with shame. Grant my desire to magnify your name. Lord, take my life and make it wholly thine. Fill my own heart with your great love divine. Take all my will my passion, self, and pride. I now surrender, surrender, Lord, in me abide. The last verse says, O Holy Ghost, revival comes from thee. Send a revival and start the work in me. Your word declares You will supply our need for blessings now, O Lord, I humbly plead. Heavenly Father, you know the cry of our heart. You know, Lord, that despite of all of the things that we do and the things that we say and the things that we think, You know the very depths of our soul. And we pray, Lord, that you will help us to be the men and women that you want us to be. If you are here today and you need Jesus as your Savior, come and we'll pray with you. If you need someone to pray with you for healing in your body, Restoration in a relationship, financial needs. We're here to pray with you. If you come in in a bad way today, you don't have to go out that way. Jesus is here. His power and his presence is always ready to minister to people that will call upon him. His word says, call upon me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Trust in the Lord today. He will meet your need. Lord bless you. Have a great week in Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah.
You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.